Welcome to the Dissertation Dive. This is a special podcast series where we dive into dissertations of scholars who completed their doctoral degrees in the past several years. As you know, the dissertation is a culminating experience of a doctoral journey and includes independent scholarship that is significant to the field. So I thought it'd be a great idea to dive into some outstanding dissertations. In this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Tony Cobb, the author of the dissertation titled Perceptions of Physical Education Teachers Regarding the State of Georgia Physical Activity Curriculum and its suitability for incarcerated juveniles. Dr. Cobb, thank you for joining me on the dissertation dive. Hey, Doc, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited about the, uh, the interview and, you know, being able to dialogue about um, our particular field of physical education. So definitely looking forward to it and, you know, definitely here to uh, uh, galvanize any young people who, who are trying to become scholars in their particular fields to, to, to motivate them and show them that, you know, you can do anything if you put your mind to it. So, I'm here today to, to have a great dialogue with you about a few things about physical education. Thanks so much. I'm excited to, to meet you here and uh, learn about your work and introduce you to uh, some people in the physical education community through the podcast series. So before we get into the dissertation specifically, can you share with us um, what are you doing in your career now? Well, currently I'm working at a um, school district in the state of Georgia uh, serving as an adaptive physical education specialist, working with emotional behavior and autistic students um, on a day-to-day basis. Um, doing that now, I have over 10 years of experience working as a physical educator in both the states of uh, Alabama, Georgia, uh, working on all levels, K through uh, collegiate. I'm also um, an adjunct professor at Georgia Gwinnett College, uh, teaching uh, intro um, physical education courses, um, anything from sexual education to uh, small physical education classes, first aid classes, um, basically uh, intro um, choices for life. It's one of the courses uh, that I teach. So that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like you got plenty keeping you busy. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> can you uh, talk a little bit more about your background and specifically, how did you end up pursuing a doctorate degree focused on physical education? Well, I'm a former uh, collegiate athlete. I was a all-conference um, track and field runner at Alabama State University, um, SWAC conference. So my um, physical education background comes from me being an athlete. Um, I was a firm believer. I majored in uh, physical education for my bachelor's degree. Um, and, and crazy thing about it, I ran from education for a while. Um, I had pursued um, my dream of being a sports agent. So... Um, of course, we know sports agency, and there's a lot of uh, ins and outs of that profession, but um, that was my first, um, you know, love is that I love sports. And so um, all of my mentors, um, I, I even remember my kindergarten teacher, Ms. Garnto, well, not kindergarten teacher, I'm sorry, my physical education teacher at elementary school, Ms. Garnto, uh, she's just very passionate about her, her, her field. And so that always stuck with me um, as I continued to grow up. And so I'm uh, majoring in uh, phys ed for my bachelor's and then decided to get my master's in sports management and so um i continued on you know i'm a firm believer my mom always pushed me to to be at the highest of of any field that you're in uh, regardless of um if you are the uh the cook i want to be the head cook i want to be you know the the head chef you know she instilled that in me and so i just my mom really um was the reason why i pursued my, my doctoral degree so Really didn't do it for me to be honest with you, Doc. I actually did it for my mom. So, um, you know, that's that was that was my motivation. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I can relate to that. You know, the the family inspiration to keep reaching higher, and I'm sure she was proud of your accomplishment. Um, as you decided to, you know, get the doctorate degree, how did you go about selecting a doctoral program that met your needs? Well, I wanted to first uh, find a program that was, um, you know, accessible uh, for for me, whereas you know I could be not necessarily on my own time schedule, but you know completing a online degree is a little different from your in-person uh, going to class every day not every day but every other day um in my time schedule because um you know where i worked or whatever trying to get to a particular location you know living in atlanta um you know if you leave one place you got got to look at the traffic so they want to have that stress on me so i look i wanted a little more freedom um i, I wasn't I wasn't looking into moving somewhere and completing the program and trying to find some more, you know, get another job or things like that. So I just kind of uh, find a program that worked with my schedule um, and, and my flexibility. So that's how I kind of decided to go to uh, North Central. Okay, North Central University. So you you go there for uh, it's a doctorate of education degree, is that correct? Yeah, this is a doctorate of education, specialization in sports and athletic management. Yeah, yeah. Um, so after you get into the university there and, um, you know, kind of integrating your studies with your uh, profession, um, it sounds like you're still engaged, you know, in your profession, even while you were doing your doctorate, um, you eventually, I'm sure, had to start thinking about your research interests so you could propose a dissertation. What were some of the influential things that led you to select a dissertation topic? Well, um, you know, when you're looking at various topics, um, and I was, I started off looking at, um, you know, how do the NFL players, like when they make decisions on and off the field, like how does that affect like an organization, right? So that's, that's what I really want, like, that's why I really was focusing on, right? Because I was, you know, my background, like I said, was it trying to be a sports agent, things of that nature. So I was so locked in on, on athletes, their brands and, and um, how they carry themselves on and off the field. We we see all these incidents on young men, uh, you know, have situations that occur off the field. But how does that affect the organization, like the team? How does it affect the ticket sales? How does it affect the fans, like in the team? If there's one player, you know, how does um, Travis Kelsey dating Taylor Swift now? How how has that uh increased the revenue for the Kansas City Chiefs? You know, what I'm so uh, that's what I was kind of trying to focus on, right? So um, my chair, Doctor uh, Brockwell. Um, she's an educator as well, worked on central office level in Ohio. Um, I think even was, uh, briefly a superintendent for a while. I can't really remember, but, um, she was like, that topic is, it's, that's topic's too big. Like you gotta, gotta break it down because, you know, when you, when you're trying to do a dissertation, your goal is to try to gain as much research as possible so that you can present some findings, um, that, that, you know, one, um, are understandable. You know, you don't want to take your research too far. And then you want to be able to find some topics out there. You know, if you're not trying to uh, reinvent the wheel, I guess you could say. Um, some topics out there that, you know, people are already talking about and things of that nature. And you kind of just put your your, your philosophy on it or your spin on it. And, and, you, and you go from there. And so once I realized that that topic was too big, I'm like, well, you know, I work in a unique uh, environment now. I was in Alabama at this time. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I was like, you know, being an educator in, in a certain, you know, environment, um, it's a little different from your traditional environment because, you know, you have to be mindful 
of individuals that you're working with, um, mental health in place, um, you know, emotional behaviors in place. And so you can't have all the equipment that you have in a traditional setting, you know, a regular high school. And even in your regular high schools, you have some students who may be uh, challenged with, with some small mental health issues or, um, you know, uh, emotional behavior and things of that nature. And so that, that led to me saying, you know what, let's look at, uh, you know, the environment that I'm in now, how can we, um, try to make this as, as close as a traditional environment. And so that's how it led to me, uh, you know, looking at the perception of teachers, you know, who working in these fields, give your opinions, let me know how you feel about it. Um, you know, and to see if we can work towards getting something that could be a little more closer to the traditional setting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about your dissertation then a little bit more specifically. <clears throat> can you explain what you what were you trying to achieve through your research question or specific aims uh, in your dissertation? Oh, well, you know, one of the research questions that I had was, you know, dialoguing with uh, in an interview on a surveying. Uh, teachers who have worked in the juvenile setting, right? Mm -hmm. Who have worked in the juvenile setting, getting their opinions, their perception are really like, how do you feel if, um, you know, working there, like, are you able to really like get, you know, activities in because of the environment? So just really trying to lock in on themselves and their opinion. I mean, once we did that, then we kind of just jailed it together with other research as far as um, just looking at, you know, the data, like, you know, over the last few years, you know, over 110,000 uh, juveniles are incarcerated yearly. And so not only just focusing on one state, but just looking at other states as well, looking at previous research, um, trying to trying to make sure that we are providing them a quality of physical activity, understanding that, you know, um, a minimal time of activity, uh, a week is 20 minutes, three times a week. That's what they say can keep you physically uh, active, right? And so just making sure that was in place, which is already in place, um, you know, in various environments that I worked in, students not only got physical education um, class, they also got recreational time as well. So it would give them more than what the traditional setting was, but it was just, being able to introduce them to various sports, not just basketball, not just um, baseball. You want to introduce them to golf, uh, racket, you know, racquetball or whatever, uh, badminton, um, and things of that nature, bowling. You know what I mean? So it's like, though these these sports that don't get a lot of attention, kind of just focus on trying to how can we incorporate them into the juvenile setting. So you know, bowling ball is multiple pounds, you know, if you have someone get mad while you're in there, you know, teaching or whatever, how does that affect you being able to get your instruction? In? So that's what we kind of was focusing on, Doc. That, you know, not trying to reinvent the wheel, mm -hmm. not trying to say anything wasn't being done. We just wanted to be able to make sure that we were giving our, our kids, that regardless of their environment, the same opportunities as the traditional set. That's what we were trying to reach, reach for. Yeah, so that's a really important topic, and at least, you know, from my kind of experience and knowledge being in the field, um, there haven't been a lot of information out on uh, physical education for people in juvenile facilities. Um, 
as you explored the literature, uh, did you find, you know, information uh, that would help you understand how this issue plays out across the different states and what were some of the major challenges? Um, or was that, that information pretty limited? Um, I, I would say limited, but I would also say that with working in those environments for, 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 for my career about seven years, man, I learned how to use ingenuity and making sure that students got everything close to a traditional setting. And so, you know, if that was, you know, simply using water bottles and a basketball to do bowling, you know, um, that was in place, uh, using, you know, a, um, a, uh, paper, well, it wasn't paper, basically a, a tape, a tape ball will make a, a ball out of tape and use, um, uh, you know, various things to swing so they can be able to swing bad and things of that nature. So no one would be harm if, if someone was to go, uh, we call it now in emotional behavior, we call it eloping when you give an instruction to a student and then. They want to, you know, because of their um, particular behaviors or triggers or whatever, uh, they they will uh, run run out of the room or something like that. Call that elope uh, in the setting. But um, yeah. So you just you know, like you said, um, just really looking at you know the different things that we could do um, that would be similar to the, the traditional setting. So it was limited, but there was some information out there. Um, uh, you know. I'm a firm believer that, you know, just because the information is limited don't mean we can't continue to build and find more or start it, start it, you know, the research. And so we build on top of that. And so that's why we're here today to have this conversation. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I, I like that because um, sometimes an overlooked aspect of the EDD degree is the way professionals are able to bring their experience to the study. Um and really let that shape the experience in addition to the literature and the research findings. And that, that's something I'm really hearing come through in the work that you've done here. Um, I wanted to uh, ask you about the research methods, you know, in terms of the approach you use to uh, examine this topic. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how you went about, you know, collecting data and things like that in your dissertation? Well, we use a qualitative research um, and doing a study to collect the data um, you know, just looking at, you know, some of, like I said, some of the shortcomings because of the setting, uh, that we're talking about, um, that was in place. Uh, it was a very, very, I, w I would say small, um, data collection because there, there are only a certain amount of people, um, that, that work in this setting. And so being able to collect the data from previous, uh, teachers who may have worked, um, in that setting and may have moved on into different roles. Um, you know, that was in place to, to, to collect the data, uh, get their perceptions of it and then, you know, present what we particularly found. So, um, that, that was pretty much it with that, with that approach, uh, with the research, um, just use a qualitative research and move forward from there. So with the data collection, I know, I mean, one thing I've learned with dissertations is, uh, data collection is always just an interesting process predictable uh you know how it go you you have you have to send them surveys and then you, you have to wait forever to get the surveys back <laughs> yeah yep. So, yeah yeah that that was a real part but uh overall i think we had enough just to, to get get it done so you know i was i was excited about it once it was done um yeah. but if you know like any other dissertation uh you know collecting the data was definitely was, was challenging because you know 
like I said, particular settings, you know, not saying that things are not being done, but at the same time, you know, getting your perception and getting your opinion out there, you know, it, it could be a sensitive subject. So, you mm-hmm. know, it, it went well though. Yeah. So was that, was your biggest challenge with data collection just related to kind of getting responses or did you have other challenges related to, you know, getting approval or, or other no, challenges? Actually, man, you know, starting off, it was actually great. I actually got approval. Uh, it wasn't, you know, any, any problems with that. Uh, you know, the data, the data point was, uh, you know, just being able to show what we were really trying to do, not trying to open up a, you know, open womb or anything like that. Um, you know, just kind of looking at, you know, what it was and what it is and, um, and moving forward, what is it, what is it going to be? So, uh, just being able to, to, like I said, just give our, our opinion, our perception on what we found to help better on uh, the environments for, um, those who, uh, are temporarily incarcerated so that they could have them provided a traditional uh, opportunity for physical education. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, once you're able to get that, you know, all that data in hand, of course you go through a process of analysis to make a little bit of meaning from it. Uh, how did you a- approach the qualitative analysis in your study? Um, you know, like I said, once we gain, got, we, we gathered the information from what we received, processed it, um, then put it into, put it into words, uh, you know, comparing, looking at a percentage. Well, you know, um, 10 out of 10 said they felt that, you know, this particular, uh, environment provided this or seven out of 10 said this one out of 10 said this, you know, basically breaking it down from the questions that were asked, um, in the survey. So that's, that's how we pretty much completed the findings of it. I hope that was, did that answer, answer your question? Yeah. Yep. Um, so I want to, uh, get to the findings. I mean, I'm interested to hear, uh, you know, what, what do you think were some of the most important results from your dissertation? Well, one, you know, it showed that, you know, things, um, you know, were in like a traditional setting, of course, because of the environment. So we know that number one, number two, we know that because of the environment, certain things have to be in place. Number one, um, safety and security is number one in, in the juvenile setting. So you have to be mindful. Can't use metal bats. Can't, you know, particularly use real baseballs, um, things of that nature. Some of the stuff that you would, you would think like, oh, you know, we could do this or, you know, simply playing football, like, you know, with the aggression, um, or, or the young man, they, they highly competitive. Oh my God, man. You know, working in the environment, uh, it, it taught me a lot about, um, being competitive regardless, you know, and, and, and so, you know, with football, no tackling, fo- flag football, incorporating flag football. Cause a lot of kids don't even play, play flag football. They, they're used to playing football in neighborhoods. Like I, I play, you know, we play in the yard and, you know, you know, I forgot the name of this, um, this game we used to play with. You, you had a football and everybody tried to tap you. I can't remember the name of what number, but, um, so that's kind of how we learned football, but you know, what I, what I try to do is, um, when teaching my students is that I try to break down the fundamentals of every sport because fundamentals are key. And a lot of kids now, a lot of kids are athletic, very athletic. I was just having a conversation with, um, coworker not 
to Noblesville about, you know, football. Um, a lot of kids don't learn the fundamentals growing up. And so once they get to college and that, and that's a difference between, you know, a division one, a FCS and a FBS. A lot of these, uh, athletes, they're highly athletic, but they don't learn the fundamentals. And so when they get to college, they, the coach is trying to reteach things. And so that's why you see in certain states and certain, uh, counties, you know, they have a feeder system called the feeder system where they may have started playing uh, football from elementary school together, middle school, and then high school. And they run the same offense all of those years. And so once they get older, man, they can execute the offense like like that because they've been running it since they were little. And they've been playing together since they were little. So, I mean, you know, that's, that's kind of, you know, piggybacking off of what we were just talking about. But, you know, execution and being able to be competitive and understanding that, you know, that environment – there were a lot of things that you just can't have in place because number one, safety and security was, was first. And so, uh, and presenting the findings, the, the findings would show, um, you know, low quality in certain things because of the environment. So, you know, the words would say one thing, but that doesn't mean certain things were in place, you know, to have guidelines in place so that it's shaking off so that students can get credit, high school credit, middle school credit, um, those things were in place because the certified educator was in the in in the room giving instructions to them, but just understanding that it was limited from things that will probably be um done in a public school setting because of the environment with the equipment that we would have to use. Right. So um so yeah, that's that's pretty much you know what we would find. And, you know, words would say low quality of of, of programs mm -hmm. weren't in place for, for physical education. However, uh, everything was in place as far as having a certified educator um, and things of that nature. So, so being able to do the PACER test and all of those good things, all those things were in place. It's just the low quality, you know, uh, had a gym, but the gym was small, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, couldn't have basketball because of certain situations that may have occurred, occurred before. Student might have climbed up, you know, things of that nature. So, you know, it's just a lot of things that were in place, but you had to present the findings with certain certain dialogue, certain language, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of those findings, um, was there anything in there that was surprising or unexpected for you? Because I know you came to it with some experience. Um, you know, when you looked at the data and generated your findings, was something, uh, you know, outside of what you might have expected? No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, because you know, it's plenty of times when you meet um uh, with with your colleagues from time to time throughout you know different uh conferences or training. And, you know, you have a small talk and dialogue, and and you see the consistency from saying, "Man, you know, it's it's a little it's a little challenging trying to get this done with with this, you know, or trying to get that done with that, you know." So it's it was consistent, and that's what what that's what excited me. Um. Uh, about it because everyone was moving in a direction to where we wanted to make sure we were providing uh, the utmost, uh, you know, great environment for the students, which, like I said, students were getting everything that they needed, but we would love to have seen it be, you know, a little, just a little better, you know what I mean, as far as being able to to, 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 to give them that traditional setting regardless of if they, you know, made small mistakes, um, 
in in in, in their lives. So I know we talked about earlier, you know, that there's limited information on this topic of physical education for juveniles who are incarcerated. Um, is there kind of a, a take home message that you would say from your dissertation that um, you would give the folks who might just be trying to understand this issue for the first time? Well, I will tell anyone, you know, before you before you can speak on something, you got to see it. You know, before anyone can believe in something, you got to see it. So, you know, it's often I always say like a lot of the the young people in these environments are forgotten about. When I say forgotten about, not in, in a in a bad way, but it's more because of the mistakes they may have made, you know, they're kind of fit into a box of where, you know, okay, major mistake, gotta go here, do what you need to do. Some of them even transitioning to, you know, state facilities. But you know, they still deserve an opportunity to engage in any activity, just like the person outside of the facility, you know? And so um, the information is very limited, but I will say that every state has some type of facility to where juveniles gonna go. And particularly in certain states, um, you know, a lot of the, the crimes or, or things that are done are done by juveniles. And so uh, these are young people who, you know, really haven't identified, you know, who they are just yet. They just, you know, they make mistakes and so things happen. But, you know, I'm, I'm a big firm believer that, you know, because I worked in the environment, you know, I often I always tell people, you know, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. You got to open it and read it. You know what I'm saying? And so once you open that book and read it, you go in and see, it's like, wow, you know, this this is not what I thought it was. You know what I'm saying? It's a it's a it's a regular setting, just like any any other setting. It's just because you're working with a a, a person that you know may have made a mistake. So I try to never, you know, I used to work with young men or young women. I never really tried to go look and see why they were there. It really didn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I wanted to make sure I, I left an impression on them so that it was no judgment at all. Um, you know, people make mistakes. And so the moment that you, if you go look, then you, you create this judgment. And so, and you create some sense of, I ain't gonna say fear, but if you know something and you end up working with them, then you now you're like, ah, oh, let me make sure I got this certain amount of feet. You know what I'm saying? But you don't, you might not even really understand that the, the entire story or why they there, you know what I mean? It could have been somebody else in the situation. They were in the situation, and now they, you know, it's just a lot, it's a, it's a lot. So um, just speaking on personal experiences with, with this particular topic, like I would say someone, you gotta go in and see it, and, and then and then you're, you're, you have a lot more respect for it, um, and also uh, know how to kind of dialogue about it. Yeah, that's an important take home message. And of course, uh, you know, we hope that these, uh, young people are going to come out of there and be contributing members to their community. And so it's really important that we care about their education and their physical yeah. education. So they don't care of that. You know, I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, man, I, I, I had opportunity to work with, you know, some young men who, you know, made some mistakes and they, they got out. These, these guys were, you know, three-star, four-star athletes. <laughs> 
got out, did what they need to do. And now they, you know, some of them you see them playing, playing on, you know, on, on Saturday, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things, man, you know, that, you know, uh, they occur. But like I said, you know, being, being able to get them the best opportunity to get out, like you said, be productive citizens um, in the world. And that, that's, that's the main thing. Absolutely. So as you kind of reflect back on your dissertation experience, um, you know, now it's all done and you're, you've moved on in your career. If you could go back and, you know, do it all over again, would you approach it any differently? Now I wouldn't, man, you know, I would just want to make sure I'm very transparent and everything, um, that, that, that I was doing in hopes that, you know, everything would, would be accepted as if, you know, moving in a, into a positive, positive way, you know? And so, um, that's all, you know, I would say I wouldn't change anything, man. I definitely love, love those, those, those years that I spent, um, you know, in two States working with, with young men and women who were uh, incarcerated because it, it, you know, like it made me step my game up. Um, and, and how I, I dialogue with, with, with students um, from, from various cities, various cities from around, you know, the two states. Um, it just teach you, teach you a lot, man. It really does. Yeah. How has your uh, dissertation impacted your career so far? Um, As far as, like, you know, I guess my, my ability to be able to, because I really don't talk about it, man. Where I, I work, you know, a lot of people don't even know uh, that I have a doctor, man. I have this thing when I introduce my myself to, um, you know, parents or coworkers. You know, I I, I say, hey, man, I'm Coach Cobb, I'm Coach Tony Cobb, Dr. Cobb, but the kids call me Coach. And so, um, you know, that's just the approach that I always take, man. You know, um, you know, I, I had this 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 saying that you know I learned from a mentor. You know, in order to be big enough, you have to be small enough. In order to be big enough, you have to be small enough. You know, and so. You know, I uh, probably mixed it up a little bit, but you know, I hadn't heard him say it in a while. But yeah, this the, the same man. It was, it was, it was real. You know, being able to be uh, small enough, you have to be big enough. In order to be big enough, you have to be small enough. That's what it is. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm just a firm believer of that. So, in my field, you know, um, highly qualified, definitely. Um, you know, working with emotional behavior students now. I just those years, you know looking back and in, in doing the research that I did for this particular topic, it just kind of really taught me, um, you know, I had a joke with the, with the students I work with now is that, you know, I'm not going down a rabbit hole with nobody. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't even like rabbits. They, they, they love when I say that they, they start joking because it's like, if, if you're not, if you're not used to dealing with someone that, you know, probably had all these things going on, you never know, or, you know, from a from a health standpoint, you know, mental health, emotional behavior, then you're gonna you're gonna go down that rabbit hole, not knowing what's down there. But when you've been there before, you shouldn't have to. Like you should be able to just be able to dialogue. You know, don't don't lose your cool when you're trying to get instruction. No one want to listen, or they someone just want to go run out. Okay, I'm follow you. How's your day going? Talk to me, and you you learn that from years of experience. And so. Uh, you know, that's, that's how it's helped me, you know, just being able to understand the environment more and, and who, who I'm working with and, you know, how I can make myself better and make them better as well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's impactful. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, what's next for you in, in your career? Are you continuing to stay connected to this research topic or um, what are the types of things you're looking forward to? 
Well, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, hopefully in the next year or so, next year, you know, get 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 out and we just have some small talks about uh, various things. How can we, you know, move forward and uh, making physical education better on all areas? Uh, we, we're in a world now where physical education is getting put on the back burner. Uh, several states, uh, obesity rates are, are, are rising, getting higher um, by the minute. And so just want to make sure we promote physical activity. Um, I think physical education is the most important class in the school because it's dealing with your physical, like your physical being. Um, be the smartest person in the world, but if you ain't got, you ain't in shape, boy, you ain't taking care of yourself. All that doesn't matter, you know. So, um, you know, being able to promote on um, being healthy, you know, taking care of yourself and doing those great things, I think that's that's what what's next for me. Um, even locking in personally with myself, uh, you know, doing CrossFit. I used to do CrossFit for a little while. So now I'm kind of, you know, coming off a, uh, I had a smaller injury when I did some CrossFit, but coming back in 2024, getting back into being physically active uh, consistently and, uh, you know, trying to, trying to get better at this golf, golf, golf game I got. <laughs> All right. So a lot to look forward to in 2024. Um, I, I like asking this question to people like you because you've been successful in this journey and it is a challenge. Uh, if somebody was following in your footsteps and they decided to go back and get the doctorate degree, uh, what advice would you give someone to overcome, you know, the various challenges they might face in the dissertation process? Well, I would tell person, first of all, find you a mentor who's been through it. Find someone you can be able to call for them, them long days and long nights, especially when you Got your back against the wall because it's gonna happen. Uh, not getting, a, get, you know, getting a doctoral degree is not not easy at all. Got to be ready to write. Got to be ready to research. Got to be able to be told if you've done thirty pages, <laughs> you got to go back and edit it. You got to go back and <laughs> redo all that. You know, so just being able to, to deal with the the roller coaster when it when it comes to getting a doctoral degree. So. Um, well, most definitely find you a mentor, someone that you can talk to that's probably in your field or been through that process. So you can ask someone that can kind of guide you through it. Um, I had two great mentors. One is a college president now, and um, one is a uh, professional marketing consultant for professional athletes, um, both were doctors. But, um, you know, I had those guys in my corner, so it kind of made things a little easier for me. Mm. Outstanding. So this has been a wonderful conversation for me. I, I've reached the end of the questions that I had. Are there other things you would want to share with our audience before we wrap up today? Uh, I, I don't have anything. Uh, I think that we had a great dialogue. Uh, I look forward to you know connecting with you more on, on a few things. I uh, definitely want to continue to build on the uh, the, the connection um, and look forward to, you know, hopefully being able to come up uh, to North Carolina and, you know, have some dialogue with, uh, you know, educators up there physical educators up there and i see what we can take this take this conversation thank you very much i, I uh reciprocate that and um really glad to meet you personally but to be able to introduce you to several colleagues in the field who might not have uh be yet be aware of your work um so for now i uh look forward to all that and thank you dr cobb for joining me on the dissertation dial no problem